0: Welcome to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. I'm Daniel Davis, and this week we are on Unit 25, Session 4, titled, The Dividing Prophet. In Matthew 23, which we studied last week, Jesus doled out his woes upon the Pharisees for their hypocrisy and leading the people astray from God's ways. Then at the beginning of Matthew 24, Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem which would be fulfilled in A.D. 70. The disciples grasped that this would be a huge turning point in the history of God's people and the world, so they privately asked Jesus when this would happen and when He was coming back at the end of the age. The disciples seemed to have understood and believed that Jesus had to go away, but they also believed that He would return one day to restore all things. Jesus' response was a two-chapter lesson focusing not on when things would happen, but that they would happen, and that his disciples needed to be prepared for them even without knowing the when. In Matthew 25, Jesus responded with parables, fictional stories used to convey moral and spiritual truth, to explain that no one but God knows the time or hour, but it was still necessary for them to prepare for his return and work to build his kingdom while they waited. And the same is true for believers today. Followers of Jesus are to live expectantly, faithfully and compassionately, as they await Jesus' return and His coming Kingdom. In Point 1, we look at a parable in which Jesus divides between the wise and the foolish. Again, remember that Jesus is still responding to His disciples' question about His return at the end of the age. To illustrate that the real issue is not when, but how we ought to be ready for it, Jesus told a parable about a wedding custom of His day. I'm going to encourage you to rely on the commentary points and sidebar on leader pages 46 and 47 to help explain the context of this parable and the customs. The nuggets there that you find helpful, share them with your group. If you don't think something is necessary, cut it, and don't worry about it. The leader guide is a tool for you to use to lead your group. We aim to give you good and true content to help understand and explain the scriptures. But you know your group so use what we give you in the best way you know how. What I do want you to emphasize in this point is the distinction between the wise and the foolish. Wisdom, according to Jesus' parable, looks like waiting with patience, anticipation, and preparation. Foolishness, on the other hand, involves making assumptions and being ill-prepared, unable to go the distance. In the parable, which I encourage you to read the entirety of on your own, and you may even do so with your group. In the parable, all the virgins fall asleep while waiting for the groom to come for his bride. Because of a delay, he arrived in the middle of the night. When his arrival was announced, the foolish virgins didn't have enough oil in their lamps and had to leave to go buy more. The wise virgins trimmed their lamps and were ready when the groom arrived. They entered into the wedding banquet, while the foolish virgins were shut outside because of their absence. So, Jesus' counsel in verse 13 was for His disciples to be alert, prepared, and ready, even though they didn't know when Jesus would arrive. As noted by the key doctor for this session, this has a connection to our understanding of justification and works. Our preparations and good works for Jesus' honor are wise steps to take as we look forward to the day Jesus comes again. But we must never mistake these wise steps as the ground of our justification and acceptance before god we are justified by faith alone and our preparations for the groom's arrival bear witness to our justification by faith alone and christ alone in point 2 we look at a second parable in which jesus divides between the diligent and the faithless like the parable in the previous point we only focus on a few verses of this parable so again Rely on the commentary points and sidebar on leader pages 48 and 49 for helping to explain the context and the intent of the parable. And you, at least, should read the parable in its entirety so you are clear on how it is framed. This parable is often called the parable of the talents. Not piano playing or soccer, mind you. A talent, as the sidebar says, was a large denomination of currency in ancient Roman society, a considerable amount of money. With this parable, Jesus was teaching a similar point as the previous parable. A rich man left his home for a time and would be coming back. In the meantime, he assigned some of his assets to three servants to care for them while he was gone. Two servants worked to double those resources, and when the master returned, he judged them to be diligent and hardworking and worthy of even more responsibilities. They were given the privilege of sharing in the master's joy. But the third servant was fearful, and he dug a hole to protect the talent entrusted to him. He returned it to the master just as it was given to him, no more, no less. But this fell far short of the master's expectations, which the third servant had identified in his initial comments. So rather than work for his master's good, as he knew his master would have wanted him to do, the servant dishonored his master and proved himself to be faithless both in his service to his master and as a judgment of the master upon his servant. Jesus' disciples ought to be diligent and faithful workers for our master while he is away in his physical presence. We ought to take all our resources from God, our homes, jobs, money, and even our talents, and use them for God's glory and honor. We shouldn't bury them in a hole never to be used we should work hard to use our God-given resources to further God's kingdom here on earth. And that will mean looking for and taking opportunities to proclaim Jesus as the one who saves people from sin, death, and hell, so they don't have to experience the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In point three, we read about how Jesus will divide between the compassionate and the indifferent. This passage isn't a parable as much as it is a teaching that makes use of a simile and an illustration. But again, notice how Jesus is dividing. We often think of a reason Jesus came into the world as to reconcile people to God and to one another. And this is true. He came to bring people and God together as one. Through his person and work, especially on the cross, Jesus tore down the wall of separation between Jews and Gentiles, and sinners from God Jesus made fellowship possible but that's not without the necessary consequence of saving his people and punishing those who reject him and his ways so from all nations Jesus will separate out those who are his and those who aren't like a shepherd separating sheep and goats those who are his will receive his blessing and inherit the kingdom prepared for them from before the foundation of the world how will he know who is who? Well, Jesus is God, all-knowing, so he can see the hearts of people and know. But here Jesus emphasizes the actions of those who are his. And those actions are full of compassion, just as Jesus is. Jesus intentionally orders the wording of this teaching to call for a question from the two groups of people. Jesus speaks of the righteous feeding the hungry, providing drink for the thirsty, shelter for the stranger, clothing for the naked, care for the sick, and comfort for the imprisoned. But he mentions these good deeds as having been done directly to himself. The obvious question from the righteous people is, when did they do these things directly for Jesus? He was away, not present in person. And Jesus responds to this question by emphasizing his unity with his people. Whoever serves others in these ways from a heart of compassion and honor for God, is effectively serving Jesus. One of the ways we show our love for God is by the way we care for His people, and indeed all of His image bearers. Jesus goes on to make the opposite case in the verses that follow. Those who are indifferent to the needs of others are rejecting Jesus because Jesus did serve people from a heart of compassion. We ought not minimize the way Jesus illustrated the good works of others. Providing for the physical needs of others is a good and faithful expression of our faith in Jesus Christ, especially as we provide for those within the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Such provision shows that we belong to Jesus in the church, and providing for those outside of the church can open doors for us to be able to share the gospel. While we should not minimize the importance of the good works in this passage, we should also take care not to inflate their meaning either. Our justification before God is not based on works, but on faith in Jesus. We are to observe and obey His ways, yes, but we are to do so from a heart overflowing with gratitude and joy that Jesus has saved us while we were still sinners. Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. They did good works but they did so from a wicked, self-serving heart. And as we saw in Matthew 23, they also spoke some truth while disobeying with their actions. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs because they looked good on the outside, with all of their supposed righteousness, yet their hearts were evil. The point is that even good works from the outside, from our perspective, may not verify a true faithful heart. And notice again how Jesus frames His response to the question of the people, of those who did these good works. He calls them the righteous. The righteous are those who do good deeds of compassion for others. Yet from the teaching of all of Scripture, the righteousness that saves comes from Jesus Christ alone, and it is imputed to us by faith in Jesus Christ. God alone judges the hearts of people. That is beyond our ability to see and know. We can judge people's works to a degree, and we have a responsibility to do so with those who are in the church for their own safety and assurance of salvation. Yet we must acknowledge that good works do not make a person good. Only Jesus can do that in those who believe in him. Jesus promised that one day he will return to usher in the fullness of God's kingdom. Until that day, Jesus instructed his followers to make the most of their time living as his ambassadors in an increasingly hostile world telling others how they too can become a part of the coming kingdom and be saved from the destruction of death and hell because we believers have come to know the exceeding value of god's kingdom we should urgently proclaim the gospel to the world so that others might be brought into the kingdom as well Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.